Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this episode, we are going to be taking a look at Sumner Wars, and then the new one by Days of Wonder, Heat. Pedal to the metal. And then Natasha is actually going to be talking about um, a game I'm somewhat interested in to hear your experience, which is Box One by Neil Patrick Harris. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. And then in this week's discussion topic, it's actually inspired by a listener email. Uh, Nina emailed us. You know, just asking a couple questions, and one of the things she had uh, inquired about was how we go about, you know, collecting. And do you do you would you rather have games that can be just for casual gamers, or do you keep games that are like favorites? Like, how do you how do you determine your buckets worth of games? Like, how do you determine that? So, what we're going to kind of do is we're going to kind of break this into two parts. And the first part, we're going to kind of chat about like how we go about making purchasing decisions mm-hmm. and then in part two which we're, we're going to try to do next week is how do we determine what we're going to keep in our collection so that's going to be our discussion topic uh there is something i need to ask you about because um it came up today at oh. work and uh i it was <laughs> it was told to me and i was like hmm i don't know how i'm supposed to take that so i have uh one of my one of my employees uh she plays D and she's a dm okay so her and i will often talk about like random stuff and i was kind of just chatting about the last game we had and there's some cool things that we did we polymorphed one of our companions into a t-rex and then we made it bigger and blah 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 so we were just kind of chatting about it just having a good time and she goes man i just love that for you and i stopped and i go you know that sounds like a compliment but it also sounds like an insult and I'm what not did, like. <laughs> what did she mean for you? I love that. Like I love oh, that you did that. She's just or, like no. Just she goes, man. I just love that for you. And it, I, I immediately go, wait, what? And she goes, <laughs> yeah. I think that's you know. I think that's cool. I go, but the way it sounds is, man. I love that for you. I, me personally, I don't want that in my life. But it's something. It's <laughs> something for you. you for, that. <laughs> yeah. That's and I want to know like, is that actually how it like comes across? Is it that kind of weird, like backwards compliment, like or not backwards compliment, uh, like a backhanded compliment, like they're giving you a compliment, but it's actually not, like no, it's more of like so. a dig. No, <laughs> I think that she's saying that. Well, I-, I would interpret like I would say something like that. Like I'm happy that that happened in your life, but like I would care less if that happened in my life. But I'm happy you're happy that it happened to you. That's cool. That's what I'm talking about. That sounds somewhat. Think- in- that but sounds think, insulting. But for her, like she plays D&D, I think she'd be like, oh, that's so cool. That's what I was expecting. And I got, I love that for you. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Maybe her I D&D mean, style is really different than you. I don't know. No, I mean, she, I mean, it, it appeared that she enjoyed the story and what happened and she was laughing about it and everything. So maybe, but man, I don't know. When I heard that, I was like, uh. Did she clarify what she meant? So I said, I was just like, so is that like, she's like, no, I think that's awesome that that happened. You guys got to experience it. I was like, but you got to think about like, so her and I kind of chatted a little bit about it. And now it's like an inside joke. So now <laughs> whenever like, so I'll be like, man, I just love that for you. You know, and it's just, <laughs> Aww. it's turned into an inside joke. But I don't know. At the time I was like, wait a second here. No, I think what is she. That I think be? she was being genuine. Like, I, she's happy that, that you had this great experience. I think so too. But just, maybe she was a little know. jealous that you know she didn't have a T Rex. Yeah, apparently so. An enlarged T Rex. It went oh. from huge to gargantuan. And for all you, it, was that players. really necessary? <laughs> was it <laughs> to bring to bring that up? I don't know. Either way, I just I just assumed there would be other ways you could phrase that that didn't sound so like insulting <laughs> oh no. man just wait i'm gonna start saying that all the time to you now i just <laughs> i just love that for you <laughs> well that's that's my interesting interaction let's talk about box one okay 
So this is an escape room game and I really want to talk about it, but I can't really say anything about it because it'll spoil the whole thing. Because when you open it, you you look at the box and you don't even know what you're doing, what you're getting. So it's an escape room style game. It says it's for one just to play by yourself. But me and my son played it together. You can totally play it with one other person or a couple other people. Um, it's And it totally is just completely different than any of the escape room games I played. Like it's not like exit or unlock or anything like that. Like it's the puzzles are very uh, more straightforward. There's not a lot of like, Oh, what do I do? Like, it's pretty obvious what you have to do. So it's really fun in that sense. I highly recommend it for people that, um, that want an escape room game, but don't want anything that's like too brain burning, too complex. Like where you sit and then stare at it and like have no idea how to solve it. I think this is a little bit, more simpler it says i think it said like 14 plus which i i think it, you don't need that age at all i think you know you could do it with a kid and, and have just as much fun and that's about all i can say about the game because i can't give you any of the details of it it's got a good hint system you need you need a computer um you use the you know you go to you go to the web page and you use the computer and um you know that's where all the hints are and stuff but beyond that, like it's it's really well produced. It's um it's a really nice box, and the stuff that you get in it is really nice. Um, but that's all I can say. Have you gone through the whole thing? Is it like a yeah, sequence a, of plays, or is it just a one, one time, play? One time play. It takes about an hour, hour or so. Um, but it's really like it's a really fun theme, and it really comes out, and it's really unique. And I can't tell you what the theme is because it'll spoil it. Man, this is, I mean, you've given so much detail. In I've this given that, you like, nothing except for that you should do it. And and I, I boxed it all back up, Bob, you, so I can give it to you and you can play it. Oh, it's okay. Not, yeah. It doesn't get spoiled at all. So is it like, is it like amateur kind of, you know, difficulty? Like, will I, will I be able to complete it? Yeah, there's no okay. deduction. Like, it's not complicated. Like, um, I think exit, uh, often those exit game and unlock games, they have, um, like, you look at it and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Like, how do I figure this out? Like, this has got step-by-step instructions. And if you do get stuck, you can use the hints and it tells you, you know, what to do. But but you really don't need it. It's pretty straightforward. It's more, uh, you're more following the storyline. You're not doing a lot of, like, you're not solving, like, complicated riddles or anything like that. Oh, okay. It's got some trivia yeah. and stuff in there. Well, when I heard this the, that this game was coming out, it actually intrigued me quite a bit just because obviously like Neil Patrick Harris producing this with Theory 11, which is a they they produce a lot of different playing cards. Like if you've seen the Star Wars playing cards or, you know, mm. Mandalorian, uh, Harry Potter, they do a lot of playing cards, but they are ultimately a magic company, not mm. like Magic the Gathering, but like actual magic. Yeah. So it's in I guess Neil Patrick Harris used to be on the board for the magic castle in California. But when I found out that he was doing this, I was actually really intrigued. Cause I think, I think he made this to do with his, with his kid. I want to say, mm-hmm. but it just seemed really intriguing that he was creating this thing. Yeah. He, he specifically said he made it for, to, to be able to play by yourself, a game that you can play by yourself, Oh, which okay. is, which is cool. Um, but you could definitely play it with one other person. I I recommend it for kids. I think if you play it with your kid, it'd, it'd be fun experience for you guys to do together. Um, it's really good components. It's really nice what's in the box. So what is your like experience with it? What would you rate your experience with this game? Um, I give it a ten. I liked it a lot. Would Would you compare it to like unlock and exit? Do you prefer? Did you prefer this over, let's say, exit or unlock? Yeah, the story is really good. The whole storyline is really good. Like, I don't typically care about theme and storyline, but this one, yep. like, is the storyline. That's what makes it good is the storyline. You know, where the other ones are, you stare at it for a while and you finally figure it out and that's what makes it kind of fun. This one's like, okay, I know what I need to do. How do I do that? And sure. it's 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 unique. It's, it's nothing like, I couldn't compare it to anything else and it's totally worth checking out and playing. And even if you don't like the... If you don't like those complex ones, this might be a good one for you to get into. You know, if you don't, it's just you just play it once and you can pass it on. It's no big deal. You know, it's not going to sit in your collection or anything. I thought it was a lot of fun. I wonder if he's going to do a sequel and call it Box Two. Hi, oh. <laughs> 
I mean, probably it's it's really good. It's it's. I come um, for the game content. I stay for the jokes. <laughs> and he's really like he's a really big part of the game, which is kind of fun. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I want to. I definitely want to give this one a try it's, at some point. It's like designed by Neil Patrick Harris, and he's all over the game. Like it's all about him, you know, in a good way. But I awesome. can't tell you more than that because it would spoil it. Spoiler. I'll give nice. it to you tomorrow, Bob. Perfect. Okay. Next up, I want to talk about Summoner Wars 2nd Edition. This is a two-player tactical card game designed by Colby Dodge and art by Martin Abel and Madison Johnson, published by Plaid Hat Games. In this game, players are battling summoners, calling forth mighty warriors to destroy their rivals. So Summoner Wars is going to be played until one of the players has eliminated the opposing player's summoner. Uh, during a player's turn, they're going to follow six phases. The first being Summon, which a player can spend magic to play one of their unit cards from their hand onto the board by one of their gates. Next up, players can move up to three different units, one to two spaces. Phase 3 is Build, which lets players build either additional gates or structures from their hand. Phase 4 is Attack. This is where a player will use their units to attack their opponent's cards, usually by rolling dice and adding damage based on the outcome of the dice. Phase 5 is magic. This is where players can discard cards from their hand to gain more magic. And finally, phase 6 is draw. This is when players are going to draw cards from their deck into their hand, up to their hand size of 5 cards. This play continues and continues until one player has destroyed the other player's summoner, and then they win. Uh, for the most part, that's the basic overview. The As far as the game flow, it's pretty simple. You just follow those. The biggest complexity is going to be within the decks. That's what really makes this game fun is the fact that you have a bunch of different factions and they all play very differently from each other. They all have their own unique feel to them. Yeah, I don't know that I can give this a fair evaluation because this is 100% not my style of game. It's very attack, then attack, then attack until you whittle somebody down. And I I just don't like that gameplay. So I, I don't know, like... I mean, it's nice. Like, I think it's, you know, each of the factions are unique, which is cool. There's a lot of good things I can see about the game, and I can see people really enjoying it. But I don't think that I can, from my perspective, like, anything to offer. Because I just, this is not my style. It's not your style of game. But what are the things that you liked about the game? What types of things did you enjoy? Um, I liked that it was two-player only. So it didn't feel like it was very long. You know, it was quick back and forth. Yep. Um. I like that you go through the deck of cards. You, you, when, if you, what happens at the end if you go through the whole deck of cards and you don't kill the other opponent? Nothing. You don't get new cards. It's not like you shuffle your discard pile. Yeah. How does what happens to the game? Like, do you just lose, or um, is there a way to? So I like. My point is, I like that the game like ends at that point. You know, it's not gonna go on forever. Like you're, I don't like games where like. I hit you, then you hit me back, and then I try to hit you, and you hit, you know what I mean? It just kind of goes on forever. Like, it, it goes quick. Yeah, well, once you kind of run out of cards, then eventually you're not going to be able, since you're not playing anything, you're probably going to lose pretty quick anyway. Gotcha. I like that you can discard cards for um, for the, the money, and then you can get to be able to play new cards. So, um, you know, once I found out the game moves qu- pretty quickly, it was wise to, like, start discarding cards for the money so I could play my bigger cards. I liked that. I like the economy of it. I thought the cards were all really interesting. I think there's a lot of good... I think there's a lot of... I think this game is really good if if you like this style game. And I didn't mind playing it. I'd play it again. It's just not my my favorite style. But I think of this style, this is really, really good. One of the better ones. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of game because it it gives you that tactical combat card kind of feel. Like I kind of want to say like Magic the Gathering, you're summoning creatures, you're attacking your opponent, but really you're moving these creatures around on the board so you have some of the, you know, maneuvering and tactical nature of, you know, a combat game, that sort of thing, but on a on a grid with cards. There's a little puzzliness to it with where to place the cards and where you move to. That's interesting. I don't like I don't like games where you attack until you run out of hit points. Like I just don't like that style of game. I can't think of any that I like. It's literally an attacking game, and that's not my thing, right? Like Yeah, like you're you have to go and you roll dice and it's it's a Marathrash if there ever wasn't a Marathrash game. Because you're rolling dice and then you're pretty much just 
chuck and dice, see who you can do. It's a quick back and forth between you and the other player. Mm-hmm. With a lot of strategy to it. There's a lot of strategy there. There's a there's definitely strategy because when do you throw when do you discard the cards in order to gain magic so you can play a bigger card? Maybe you play a bunch of smaller cards. You know, a lot of it's going to depend on the 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 faction you pick and how that faction plays out. I've had a chance to play several of the different factions in the base box. I think I've played them all at this point. And, you know, something like the, you know, like the goblins or whatever, I really like because they're quick and fast and you can get a bunch out and they're kind of overwhelming. And the other thing is the artwork in this game is extraordinary. The artwork is really, really good. Like, yeah, I love the artwork. Good. Yeah. I think the cards are cool. The The cards, for the most part, explain what's going on. It, it's going to be one of those games that rewards people who play it multiple times because there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to forget what's on your cards and you're going to forget to activate different things. So in some ways, the more you play, the more you're going to understand, you know, how the cards interact. There is a there is a way to create your own decks, which I think is cool. Uh, so you're you're able to create your own summoner deck, which I with, with the rules for that. So that's cool. You have the deck building aspect of it. That said, I have a tough time rating this game myself, and partly because playing it makes me kind of just want to play Magic the Gathering. Oh, really? Yeah. And the thing is, as I love like two-player kind of like tactical games, but this one, for whatever reason, and I think part of it is I've, I've been playing it mostly with people who don't like those style of games. So, for example, mm-hmm. you and I played it. It's not your style of game. My wife and I have played it a bunch of times. It's not her style of game. So it's hard for me to be like, I really like this game when I haven't necessarily played it with somebody who really enjoys that style of game. But I often find myself thinking, do I even want to play? If I'm going to sit down and play something two-player, is this the kind of game that I want to bust out and play? And I don't know if it is. And it's difficult for me to rate a game like that because just an outside perspective looking in, I think this game is solid. I think a lot of people are going to love this game and do love this game. I think there's a lot of like depth that you can get into building the decks and you know doing those types of things once you have two players that are just constantly playing the game and you're learning the different factions and you're being able to play and you're on an equal playing field. I think I think this game is going to be really good for that. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't play enough two-player games with people who like this sort of game for me to want to necessarily keep it in my collection. Therein lies the problem with this game. There's so many good things about it, and I was so excited to get it because everyone seemed to really love this game. Mm-hmm. And playing it, I can really see how it would be, how I, it would be a kind of game that I could really like sink my teeth into with all the different ex- like expansion content and all the different factions you can get. They're you know putting a bunch of stuff out, a lot of content for this game. I just don't see myself playing it because I don't have the players who want to play it. Yeah, you can go to conventions and play it there, find people that enjoy it. But then at that point, they'll be good at the game and you won't be. <laughs> so that won't be fun either. That So that's the thing, right? If I'm going to go to a convention and I'm going to play this game with people who know the game, it's like a barrier for entry for somebody who has never played Magic and decides to get into Magic and starts off with Standard, Pioneer, whatever. And they're going to be making a lot of mistakes and they're going to lose a lot. But it's one of those things that the more you invest, the the better you're going to get. But how much time am I going to invest in Summoner Wars? Therein lies my problem. I think the game's good. If I had somebody consistently to play it with, I might keep it. But the problem yeah. is I'm probably not going to because I don't have anyone. Like, my wife doesn't particularly enjoy this style of game, so I'm probably not going to do it. And if I'm going to play two-player stuff, it's usually like War of the Ring or Star Wars Rebellion or... You know, some other random game like that, you know, Memoir 44, that type of thing. I'd rather probably play those over this. Yeah, it it just goes to show how much how much your group will determine the games that you have in your collection. You know what I mean? As much as you you might even if you let's say you love this game and it's a 10 out of 10. It's kind of meaningless if you don't have any friends to play it with. Exactly. I I wanted to talk about this game because I think the game's really good. I'm not going to give it a rating. Because it's not, like you said, it's just not fair to give a rating to a game that I haven't been able to experience with somebody that would like it as much as I would. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I'm not going to rate the game. Do you want to rate the game? Personally, for me, I would give it a five. 
I can totally see why people enjoy it. But for me, I, I know that that's as most as I would enjoy it. I think you could still recommend the game, though. Who would that's you recommend the thing. it for? I will recommend this game. I do think people will really like it. If you have somebody that enjoys those two-player kind of tactical card-driven games, I think this mm-hmm. is a really good one. I think it's one of those games that, too, uh, if you have a couple players that really do a lot of back-and-forth two-player stuff, this is a very good game for that. I think the artwork is fantastic. I really love it. I think each faction has a different feel, which is difficult to accomplish in a game. So creatively being able to do that, I think is, you know, is is awesome that you can get different feels out of the different decks, different factions that you play. So I think it's for those people. I think those people can really enjoy a game like this. That is Summoner Wars, second edition. All right, Heat. Pedal to the metal. No, pedal to the metal. Alright, spoiler. There's one thing that we really love about this game. <laughs> you won't you won't be able to tell though. <laughs> Alright, this is designed by Asger Granrud and Daniel Pedersen. It's art by Vincent Tutre, it's gorgeous. And it's published by Days of Wonder. This is a racing game. The goal is to be the first first one to get your car across the finish line. This game is played over several rounds. Each round, players are going to always complete four of the steps, and then there's some optional steps in there as well. So step one, shift gears. You can go up or down one space, and that determines how many cards you have to play that round. You can go an additional space, but then you have to draw one of the heat cards to add to your deck. Um, Step two, all players reveal the cards that they're playing at the same time. And then in turn order, you're going to move your car around the board and that's going to be determined um, on player order uh, based on who's ever in first place will be the first player and then you're going to add up the cards that you've played in your hand and you're going to move that many spaces really nice and simple Uh, steps four and five are optional four is extra movement if you're in last place step five lets you activate some symbols if you have access to for example you can cool down which lets you get heat out of your hand Step six is called Slipstream. That gives you additional movement if you end up next to or behind an additional player. Step seven is only if you passed a corner. You need to make sure your speed isn't too high or you have to add heat into your deck. If you don't have enough heat to add into your um, hand or into your deck, then you spin out and you have to go back some spaces, take some stress cards, and go back to first gear. Then step eight, you can discard cards from your hand if you don't want them, but you can never discard heat cards. Step nine, you draw up to seven cards in your hand. The disadvantage of those heat cards is they stay in your hand. They don't offer any movement. Um, and you can't play them. Once you run out of cards, you reshuffle your deck. And, um, you know, then those heat ones you've added will go back into there and you just continue playing. What makes this game so fun is that it's so quick. Everyone plays their cards at the same time. And then you real quick, all right, I zoom, I go first, I zoom my car around and Bob goes, zooms his car, you know, Susan goes and zooms her car. And then, then you just draw up some new cards, replay them all. It's very, very quick and fun. Yes. And every time you play, move your car, you have to make room, room noises. That's the rule. Yeah. Uh, room, room noises. <laughs> yes. This game Normally, I don't like racing games, race to a particular finish, but this kind of game is just kind of fun. I think I heard the phrase coined on the uh, Secret Cabal gaming podcast where they've often talked about a beer and pretzels kind of a game where you're just sitting around drinking some beers, having some food, just enjoying it, enjoying time, nothing too brain burning. That is this game. It is, for the most part, pretty simple. There's not necessarily too many, like, really deep meaningful decisions there are some decisions in the game like do i take heat to do this to go around here like when do i shift my gears if i shift up then you know i can play more cards but i'm going around this corner i don't want to necessarily burn out around this corner so maybe you know i shift down and if i shift down i can get rid of heat cards from my hand that kind of thing so there there are some decisions and i will say the very there we played a map that you had to go around three times in the first lap, I was like so far behind. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, there's no way I can catch up. And lo and behold, I came in second. Yeah. Like I just I just barely lost out. So you can like make you make these comebacks in the game, which I think is fun. But it it just it it really is just play some cards, have some fun, 
kind of style game. I agree. And I think beer and pretzels is the perfect way to describe it. It, I have not played any racing games that I've enjoyed at all. In fact, I dislike most of them. Uh, the only ones I like are the, like the where the game is really more betting games. I like games where you bet on the race. This game is where you specifically have a car you move around. You know, that's what I can consider like a racing game. I, th- I think they're all super long and really drag out. This one was quick. It was fun. Um, it, it was beautiful to look at. You've got a lot of variety. You know, there's some advanced rules, which we haven't played yet, which I think would make the game a lot more interesting. There's just tons of different maps you can play, which would make the game interesting. Overall, very good, very fun. Not a lot to think about. The, the only thing that I found, like, it was... There was some decisions in the game, but I don't think the decisions were that interesting. I feel like it was very obvious what you do. If you're going to, if you have, if you don't have a corner coming up, you just want to play as the highest cards as you can. Like it's just, you just want to get through it as, you know, fast as you can. You know, if you got a corner coming up, you want to be a little bit careful. I think that the biggest decision really is like, how much heat do you take? Because you got to, got to try to win, right? But you don't want to clog up your deck early on. So I think the decision is really about how fast to take those corners. Um, but other than that, I think it it, it kind of plays itself, which can be good if you are looking for like a that style of game. Yeah, it's it's not an in depth strategic racing game. It is, yeah, it's just a fun. I think it's a racing game with hand management. I think that's what it boils down to. Is the biggest thing that you're trying to do is manage the amount of heat you're taking in. Mm-hmm. The amount of heat you have in your hand, how you're going to get rid of it, like how are you going to be able to play additional cards? That's the biggest thing is you're racing with managing the heat of your car. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky with slipstreams based on what other people play. Like it's not the slipstream thing is just kind of built in to allow you to do some drafting and different things like that. But at the end of the day, it's not like, OK, I can I know I can slipstream if I play these cards because sometimes you just don't because it's you don't know what other people are playing. So it's a thing you that just kind of happens. You can't, right. you can't plan. You can't play your cards based on whether or not you're going to strip stream because you're all playing the cards at the same time. Correct. Which which is a feature of the game that you all play cards at the same time because otherwise the game would be super slow. It would yes. totally clog it down. Yeah, you could have more decisions. You could like count out your spaces, but that would be super annoying. Nobody would want to play that game. So it's just yeah. it's just play these cards. Play as many cards as you can to go as far as you can. And then slow down right as fast as you can before you get to a corner. And that and that's the game. And, and it's fun. Like, it's just fun to play. Yeah, I agree. It's It was a fun game. And I think any game that you can sit down with, what, we had like five or so? Five, five or, or six. six. Yeah. yeah. It was a fast game, probably 45 minutes maybe. Not like at one point we we're like, wow, it's already on lap three. It was mm-hmm. just that quick how we were playing. Everyone seemed to be having a good time. Everyone was kind of laughing and joking around. And everyone did the car noises. I think that, like, as as stupid as that sounds, and as weird as it sounds that I'm on here going, rrr, rrr, it's fun to do. Yeah. Don't, like, any. it's like being a five-year-old again with a matchbox car, rrr, rrr, just driving around. Like, it's just, I think it's just a good time. And I think the more you play it, the faster it'll go. Like, you don't even yeah. really need to, like, you're, like, you're supposed to, like, hold your cards and then ready, reveal. But you don't even need to do that. As long as you're not looking at what other people have played, nobody's going to, you can't count it out anyways. You can just, as soon as you're done with your turn, draw some new cards, play on your turn, go. You know yep. what I mean? It's just, it's just quick and fun. And, yeah, and there's not, there's not any racing games other than like that. Most racing games are just like, whoa, this is three hours long. They can get bogged down. Have you played Camel Up? at all i have not but i I don't consider that a racing game i consider that a betting game you are betting yes yep 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 and which i love curious yeah long shot the dice game is like my favorite one of my favorite ones but but even that is definitely more of a betting game and then of course ready set bet is the best but that's like real-time betting you know so it's really all you know you're not owning one thing to move around the board you know yeah this is where you have a car. Your goal is to get your car across the finish line first. My understanding is the people who, the designers who built, made this game also did Flamme Rouge. So I think there's some some elements from Flamme Rouge, like the, the whole slipstreaming. Mm. I think there's a little bit of elements from that. So if you like that game, I haven't played it. I've always wanted to, but I'm hesitant about racing games. 
because I typically don't like I don't like race to a thing. But I liked this game, you know. So why don't we get into ratings? Okay. What do you What are you rating this game? I'm rating it a seven, um, which okay. is definitely the highest I'll ever give a racing game or a have so far. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it won't get higher than a seven for me because I just don't think that there's maybe maybe if I played the advanced variant and I played it a few more times, it could go up a little bit for me. I just don't think the decisions are that terribly interesting. You know, I'm not I don't feel heavily invested in it, but I, I don't mind because it was so quick and fun. Sure. I'm coming in at an eight. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's it is not the most strategic game you're ever going to play. And I think if you go into that game knowing that, I think you can have a good time. And like you know, I, I love that phrase from Secret Cabal, that like, beer and pretzels. It is a beer and pretzels game. Sit down, have some fun. Like, I feel like I can casually teach this. I think it's right on that cusp of being a welcoming game that mm-hmm. people can enjoy. Yeah. The, the, the most complicated part of it is the slipstream. And even then, as long as you know what you're doing, you can just do it for people. You know? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, enjoyed my, I enjoyed it. So, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I think this would be a great family game as well for older kids. I don't think they'd have any problem learning this game. You yeah. know, it, it just it'd be fun and there's there's enough like randomness to it to where kids could definitely be adults and you know, it wouldn't they, you wouldn't always be beating your kids, which is what I like in a family game, ones that kids can win at. All right, that's Heat Pedal to the Metal. Check it out if you're interested in a fun racing game, something quick, a good family game, a good game where you have a lot of people who don't play a lot of games, but it would be open to playing, you know, a racing style game and are open to, you know, it's it's, it's easy enough to teach. I think it'd go over really well. That's Heat Pedal to the Metal. Pedal to the Metal. Uh, so we are going to be bringing back a segment right now that we haven't done in a while. And that is a recommends. And I recently finished a book that has been super popular and I really wanted to talk about it. And that book is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Oh, I saw uh, that. I, almost, I, I borrowed it even. I don't think I've, I haven't read it yet, though. It's good. Recheck so it out. I've, re- I've really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good book. And it, it, for, it follows three characters. And it's about the relationship amongst all three characters. The the main premise is Sam is meets Sadie when they're kids, and then they run into each other in college, and then Sam and Sadie create a video game with the help of kind of with their one uh, Sam's roommate, Marks, and it launches them because there's the game becomes successful, and they end up doing some compromises of who they're going to sell the game to, and it's basically just the interpersonal relationship with all three characters. And how it kind of like plays out over the course of the book. I thought it was really, really good. It's gotten a lot of like praise in like book talk and everything like that. I think it's really worth people reading like the even if you don't necessarily aren't like a fan of video games per se. I don't I think that's more of just like in the background of what it is that they're doing. It's it's it follows like their creative process, how Sadie and Sam feed off of each other and how like. Mark's kind of just like kind of more of the middle person helping them out and kind of I don't want to say manipulating, but kind of just letting them be the creative aspects while he's managing all these other things. It's it's a really interesting book. Um, I thought it was really, really good. And so much so that I like I hardly ever recommend books on here, but I really like this one. I really think people don't read very good books. Wow. Uh, I'm asking. That was a question. Oh, man. It didn't sounded like a statement. Listen, listen. I love that for you. There's nothing wrong with reading. I am not. There's nothing wrong with reading bad books. Like, good for you if you can tolerate reading a bad book. I no. I tepic. I don't think I read bad books. But some of it is. I don't know if just because I like recommending it. Yeah, just because there's some books that I really like. Like right now, I'm currently reading the Road to Neverwinter, which is the prequel book to the new D and D movie coming out. And man, I'll tell you, don't, don't laugh at me. It, uh, I just, I was at the bookstore, uh, I was picking up my book club book and I saw it and it was like five bucks off and I was like, ah, I'm such a sucker. Hey, I heard like, that movie was really good. I've heard good things about the movie. So, so, so I've started reading the book and the book is only like 250 pages. The chapters are short. It's an easy read. Like 
I started it yesterday. You know, I didn't have a chance to really read it today. So I'm already like a hundred and like 20 pages in. So I'm going to have it done like fast. I'm going to read it later on today. I just, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to power through that thing. It's going to be quick, but I don't know if I'm going to come on here and like recommend it just because it's <laughs> like, it's just, well, this is a podcast for nerds. If you're ever going to recommend a nerdy book, I'd su- here. I mean, I suppose, but it just doesn't, I don't know. Like if you want to read it, read it. If you don't like you don't, it, it, it readings that that's the thing. Recommending books from people can be kind of tough. Either way. I, I do like this book. I do think it's worth it. I do it's think my people should read it. Times. I'm going to pick it up and read it. You haven't sold me on it with the plot, but we'll see. What do you mean I haven't sold it? It's not about the video game creation. It's definitely about the the characters and them, how it all kind of plays out. And I don't want to like spoil it. That's why I'm not really saying much. Because okay. that the the relationship between all three of them, I think, is what really like drives the book forward. Like, yes, they're creating video games and everything like that. But it, I mean, it could be just about any business, really, that they're doing. All right. So I'll, I think, I th- I'll read it and I'll let you. Well, sorry, Bob. I'll listen to it and then I'll let you guys know. What I, I was about to say, if you want, I'll let you borrow my copy of the book. But sounds like you don't need to. You don't need a physical <laughs> book because you're just going to listen to it. I um, don't actually like reading books like physical books. If I were to read it, I would. Um, I do read books like on my phone from the library. I'll I'll download um ebooks, but I much prefer reading a, a ebook than a physical book. I said it. I think everyone's gonna shame me, but I just die. No, like that's ebooks. You're better. fine. You know what's funny is I actually side tangent. I actually was uh, something on TikTok came up about how ebooks and audiobooks are not reading books, and what? I took a, like I. You know me, and I love to give give you crap about audiobooks. And I was like, okay, to me, listening to an audiobook is not reading the book. You're uh, you're still consuming the content, but I can't say you're reading the book. You're not. You're listening to it. It's different. It feels different. But you're still consuming the content. Cool, whatever. I don't care. An e-reader, though, you're reading the book. Yeah, exactly you're not the phys- same. You, like, it's a saying, yeah, I read an article in the newspaper, but reading an article online is not an article. It's the same thing. So I did like the e-reader thing. I was just like, all right, that's a that's even too far for me. If you're not a big reader, I would challenge you to one, try audiobooks, but also try ebooks because now you can read them on your phone. And like I use my library app. It's called Libby and I can get, download anything on there. And it even looks nice. It even has the, the coloring of a book. You know, and I enjoy it so much more for multiple reasons. One, I can carry it around my purse. So wherever I'm at, I have my book, which it makes it so much easier to read. And two, like, it's easier to hold in my hand. Like a book, I'm always like, where do I sit? Like, how do I rest it? Like, it's awkward. Like a phone, I can hold it wherever I want. It's comfortable. Yeah, you got to watch out for that. Staring at screens is going to be bad for your eyes. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I agree. They dim them and they make it all nice now. Like, if you're really big into that, you get the Kindle and it's it looks just like a book. Yeah, you should you should actually turn your phone onto dark mode, even though I you don't. I can't. I don't do dark mode. Yeah, no, I know it's gonna save your battery life and it's gonna save your eyes a little bit, but that's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> I've got electricity. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah I love that for you. Um, <laughs> I do like my electricity too. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do too. All right, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break, but when we're going to come back, we're going to talk about how we pick the games we buy. Hello and welcome back. We are now going to be discussing how we go about buying games. What are our criteria when we go to pick up games? It'll be interesting because I think you are such a minimalist. So I'm really mm-hmm. curious to, to to like pick your brain as to like what meets the Natasha criteria to pick up a game. And I and again this is going to be kind of like a two-part deal, part 1 now, part 2 next episode where we're going to talk about just like collections in general. This one we're going to talk about how we go about deciding what games we're going to buy and then next week we're going to talk about how we go about culling our collection. Kind of two-parter and this was again based off a question we got from a, a listener, Nina emailed us kind of talking about games so she she was asking specifically she doesn't have a game group right now she just had a baby um but she loves board games so she's like should i buy 
games that I love and really want to play, knowing that I don't have anybody to play them with? Or should I buy some more casual games that I think my friends, when they come over, might play with me? The answer to that is yes. Yes. (laughs) I recommended at this point in her life buying the casual games that she thinks her friends will play because if you buy the games that you love, yeah, that's great to have. But if you don't have anybody to play with them, and eventually she'll get to the point where she has people to play with them. But those games she might not be interested in anymore. The problem, too, with having children, especially like more specifically like newborns, having new children, brand new children, is it can be so difficult to get together and play games or even just interact with other adults. Yeah. You know, uh, when you when you have, you know, uh, a baby and it's wintertime, at least in Michigan, where we're from, it gets cold up here. You're on lockdown. Like you don't go nowhere. Like the last thing you want to do is have have your child be, you know, get sick from, you know, RSV or whatever it happens to be. But it is a difficult time in your life to play board games. But, you know, you just kind of got to hang in there. Try your best to get out when you can. um, And it it will go fast. I promise. Uh, it goes, it does go faster than what it, man. Yeah. Feels like it's going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, that's the funny thing about, I know we're, we digress, but that's the funny thing about kids is you're just like, oh my God, like, you know, it's six months old. Like, I, oh, and then next thing you know, you're going to turn around and your daughter's going to turn nine. And you're like, wait, what? Like, oh. <laughs> like oh, what happened? In high school. Like, how, yeah. Yeah. It, uh. Well, I, and the thing is, I have a 16-year-old as well. So, like, having a 16-year-old that doesn't care about anybody but, you know, himself within a two-foot radius, it's just, <laughs> it's just, man, it's just weird. But it flies. Like, it just the other day, it feels, yeah. Anyway, we digress. So, getting games. Buying games. How do we go about picking the games we purchase? Okay. I What I do is I try to only buy games that I know are going to get played. Like that's my criteria. And mostly for me, that's games I'll play with my family, which really just means games I'll play with my son. He's about the only one that plays consistently with me. So I will like, if he's interested in a game, I buy it because he'll play it with me. And even if we only play it a few times, I don't mind buying them because they'll get played. Um, So I bought like a, a game that I knew I was going to like. I knew I'd love Ark Nova. I bought it. I don't think I've ever even played it because I played your version. I played other ver- other people's versions. So I'm thinking about getting rid of it, even though I enjoy the game, because I'm not going to play it with my, my son for a long time yet. And by the time he is old enough to play, like I could probably pick up a used copy of it. So there's no point in it sitting on my shelf for now. You know, so that's a game I'm thinking about getting rid of. Um just because I don't you everybody else has it and I find that with a lot of games that I really like you guys ha- one of you has it so if I wanted to play it I would just ask you guys who would be happy to bring it and play your copy of it so f- to me I try to make sure that I only buy games that I know I'm going to play a copy of my game so what about a game like side it's your favorite game of all time yeah i i hadn't bought it in a, it took me a long time to buy it and I finally found one on Facebook Marketplace, brand new uh, copy that was um, somebody was selling. And I got a really good deal on it. So I bought it. I have never played it because I play your version. Yeah. Do, well, because I have the upgraded components. That's probably the only reason. I, has, I have the metal coins and the mm-hmm. like cool resources and blah, blah, blah. But Yeah. I'm keeping it because I do hope that I'll play it sometime. But if I don't play it, like if my son's not interested in it. I'm, I'll end up getting rid of it probably because I, I, I just they don't get played. I, I, and part of it's my fault. Like, okay, I don't bring a lot of games to board game night. Like you guys always bring a lot, but you guys always bring stuff that I'm interested in playing. So then I'm like, I don't need to haul my game bag around because I don't like hauling it there and then not playing it. If I do bring a game, I try to bring one game, you know, and make a point to get it played. But I do like if I do an event with other people, I. I do like to bring games, but typically those are uh, with like people who play casually. So then I bring my casual games. So I, for me, I have a lot of casual games and I don't keep a lot of complicated games. I don't like games that I have to figure out how to play either. So that eliminates like complicated games from my (laughs) shelf. (laughs) That is my one question I was going to bring up is 
Because you talk about how you don't bring a ton of games to board game night. Is part of that because you would much rather play a game somebody taught you as opposed to you teaching a game to people? Does that have any fact? Does that factor in at all as to whether or not you're going to a pick up a game or even bring it? Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to bring a game unless I know how to play it. So one, I have to know how to play it or I have to have somebody in the group committed to knowing how to play it. So yes, absolutely. But but if I know people are interested in playing it, I will learn the game and bring it and then teach it. That's fine. I can do that. But if it's terribly complicated, I'm, I won't do that. I'll hand it off to Jeremy and he can learn it and we teach it to us. So that's not a limiting <laughs> factor because I have a friend that's Thanks, willing Jeremy. to do the work for me, yeah. you know? But what I find is those games, like you guys, like I bought Wayfarers because I really wanted to play it. Cool. We played my copy a few times. It's awesome. I'm happy with that. And then Chris went out and bought it because it was on sale in some place. I'm like, cool. But now I'm like, okay, do I need to keep my copy? Chris has a copy. Well, what about like if you host a game night at your house? And I haven't been doing that lately. So that's part of the problem. And yep. And I had started doing that for a little bit. And so that's when I started buying more and more games. But then I kind of stopped hosting at my house. So I do want a nice collection for when I have people over. But oftentimes when I have people over, I invite all my friends. Um, and so therefore, I like to have more of, the, more of the casual games. Not casual necessarily, but lighter, like more of those midway games. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So whether or not somebody's going to teach it to you or whether or not somebody else is going to buy it completely factors into whether or not you're going to pick up a game. Yeah. Because it's all about if I'm going to play my copy. You don't just because you don't want to hold on to games just for the sake of holding on to the games. You just no, you want to be not able a collector. To... If I if I'm not going to play it, I don't want it. I want it with the sole purpose of playing it. So what kind of criteria go into a game like that you would you know you'd want to buy because you think uh max would like it like what mm -hmm. what goes into that is there specific themes you're looking for is there designers is there companies like what do you look for specifically with that oh nothing um no none of those i i just if it's a good game and it's a good family game the one that i think that i would enjoy at this point we have enough games that we can play um that i'm not actively looking for new family style games you know, because I have plenty that we play and he tends to like to play the same ones over and over, you know, but I, I would pick up. He is not my favorite game, but I would pick it up just because I think he would enjoy playing it and I would have fun playing it with him. You know what I sure. mean? Oh, yep. there is a criteria I have for good family games. They have to be easy to teach. Yep. And um, one thing that I really like, um, when, especially when I play games with him and I, is I like games that are easy to get out and set up. I often, he'll be like, I want to play a game, mom. And I'm like, I don't want to spend an hour and a half playing. But I don't mind getting out something quick, easy to set up and easy to play. So I like card games for that sense. I like Azul. I think that's easy to get out and play. Even Ticket to Ride is fairly easy. You know, so sometimes just the complexity of like setup will overwhelm me. And I just am not in the mood to like do all that work. So that's something that I take into account. I like to own a lot of those quick games like if i'm not in the even if i'm not in the mood to play something and he wants to play then i will well, i'll play uno i'll be like let's just play uno because it's just a deck of cards and we can just play it and it's easy and i like that you know shame on, shame on me for enjoying uno as long as it's not uno showdown that's i refuse to play uno showdown it is still in my house and i have no idea why yeah i'm surprised you haven't gotten rid of that game yet like it just magically like disappears well my son bought it have you ever done that with one of your kids' toys? Like one of those really annoying, like loud ones, and all of a sudden, I mean, yeah, I get, rid of, I get rid of stuff all the time. If I find that on the floor, it's in the trash. You don't You're even know so how many Legos I throw out. Do not stop. Do not throw I have out so Legos. Many. Do not throw I have out Legos. A dresser, a dresser, like a chest of drawers full of Legos. Don't you know how? No. Yeah, you, the we price... can do a bunch of random Lego pieces. Sell uh -huh. it. You can sell. You can sell pounds. Random of Lego. Lego pieces. Yes, they people sell well, it. Well, if somebody not... wants Legos, they're in my trash. Every week, there'll be Legos in there. Just put them in a different bin and give them to me. I'll take them. I'll take the Legos. You can come get that dresser for reals. I'll do it. Don't 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 tell me I can because I will. I have so many. It's <laughs> my. I have my husband's collection of Legos as a kid. 
which the kids don't play with. They like building Legos. You know, they like getting out of the box and building them, but then they, they don't like rebuild things like my husband did when he was a kid. Sure. I don't know, man. Don't. Ugh. You say throw away Legos. and I, I don't have. Pro- I'll throw away anything. I find <sighs> it. It's in the trash. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't. No. No, you need to not throw away Legos. You can you can sell you can sell random Legos. All I'm saying is you can. It's sell easier them. to make it to the trash than it is downstairs into the toy room to put them away. Just take it. I'll buy. Listen, I'm going to buy a waste basket with in a and I'm going to bring it to your house and you just from now on just throw it in there and then just bring it every Wednesday. That sounds like a lot uh, of work. <laughs> you just go in the trash. You just want you just want easy. Um, yes, yes, you should know that by now. That's yeah. No, I do. Uh. Are there like designers that you specifically look for when you're buying games or anything like that? Or how often are you checking up like other reviews of a game before you make a purchase? All the time. I don't buy a game if I haven't re- listened to a review of it, on it. Like I don't random. I don't go into a board game store and like pick up a game and go, "Ooh, this looks interesting," and buy it. Like I would never do that. I watch reviews, listen to podcasts, and games that become popular. I, you know, I'm like, oh, I think I'd like that. Or or oftentimes I'll play it with one of you guys and I'll go, oh, I think my son would like this and I'll pick it up hmm, because I've been burned so many times, you know, like I just yeah. buy games that I don't enjoy and I try to play them myself. And at this point, I've got a good idea. I can pretty much tell from a review if I'm if I'm going to like it or not. Sure. I was going to ask if you actually read like the rule book, because I know a lot of people will read a rule book before no. they buy the game. And I was like, mm, probably not. Uh, for me and my process is different than yours. Cause I, I do feel as though I am a collector in certain regards and there are games that I'm going to keep just for the sake of keeping, but I'll talk about next week, specifically some of the games that I'm getting rid of because I just don't feel the need to continue keeping it, even though it may be a game I really like. So how do I go about buying games, man? This is going to be like all over the board. It's going to be ridiculous because there's so many things that I factor in when I'm looking at games. Is it like, who's the designer? If it's an Alexander Fitzer game, I'm probably going to want to pick it up. Mm-hmm. If it's a Vladimir Suchi game, I'm interested in buying it. But am I going to buy a Suchi game? Because I know Chris is probably going to do it because it's Chris's favorite designer. Mm-hmm. So where, you know, what decisions do I make to, you know, pick up these games? Uh, what was the game that you were just like, oh, Bob, oh, like Woodcraft, Woodcraft. is a prime example. Wood, Wood, Woodcraft is a prime example. You were just like, yeah, I mean, Bob's just going to buy it. And like, my question to you is, why did you think that was a game for me? Because it's Suchi and it had dice manipulation. You love both those things. And it had a rondelle. There you go. You have me. So, so that's the thing is I look, I look for things that I like in games. So mm-hmm. I'm going to like, like a game needs to pique my interest and then it needs to like hold my interest before I make a purchase. Typically, the way that works is by mechanics that mm-hmm. I like. So, for example, Dice Manipulation, Rondell, Designer, Suchi, Fitster, Jamie Stegmeier, uh, you know, all these different people. Like, they're, they need to, you know, with, with those designers, typically I'm interested in the games that are going to do. But take a uh, prime example is like Red Rising from Jamie Stegmeier. I wasn't necessarily interested in. I've played Fantasy Realms and I like the concept, and but it just doesn't interest me as a game that I would want to end up owning. Mm-hmm. You know, so mechanics play a big role. There's going to be certain games that I'm just going to say no because of the type of mechanics that are within the game. Like Logic, you're like no. Nope. Uh, yeah, deduction. I would say. Deduction, logic's yeah. yeah, logic's different than deduction. You're right, I also you're didn't right. buy Turing machine for myself and then gift it to my son. I bought Side it for note. my son. I thought he would like it. Yep, something like that. I legit thought he'd like it. <laughs> Fair I enough. Was wrong. <laughs> I think he'll like it when he's a little bit older. Do you, are you going to keep that? Yeah. All right. Uh so obviously designers well, It's his. It's not mine. <laughs> so it's his decision. Yeah. Um so that's the other thing. And then like theme is a big one. Depending on what the type of theme is, I'm interested in unique themes. So I backed Unconscious Minds on Kickstarter because of the uniqueness of the theme. So all those types of things definitely like factor in. I know a lot of people who will read rule books 
to like get a feel for the game, I almost never read a rule book before I make a game purchase. Like I just don't care. It's mm-hmm. too uh, it's like reading a like a published manual. Yeah, exactly. It's it just it's not going to do me any good. I will get a sense of how the game ends up playing after reading it, but that's not the reason why I purchase games. It's not because mm-hmm. of the rule book or whatever. And the thing is, honestly, most rule books that are coming out these days aren't that great. You know, there's a lot of new companies out there that are producing, you know, really solid games, but they're not necessarily spending as much time as they should on the rule book, which is a little, little, you know, disheartening, I guess. But I think publishers also have have a certain sway with me too. like different publishers like Capstone's a prime example. I'm going to be interested in Capstone games just because they've had a good track record mm-hmm. for me. Uh, and then one of the like one of the other interesting criteria is, do I think my wife will like it? Mm-hmm. So there are going to be certain things like if I make a game purchase, I I want to know that's going to play good at play well at two because yeah. my wife and I play a ton of games. So I want to make sure it plays well at two and a game that says three to six automatically gets pushed because it eliminates the ability to play it with my wife, just me and her. But you have to be careful with games that say two, two, but they actually require a dummy player. You don't like those either. Correct. The dummy player thing really frustrates me. And I've been burned on that in the past, and I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, over the course of time, I've gotten better at just looking at a game and just getting a sense if I think I'm going to like the game or not. Yeah. But I also just like being that guy that has that game. Like, oh, I'm the one. So a prime example is uh, I've, I got a copy of Revive. We're going to be playing it. We're going to be reviewing it soon. But I wanted to like, I wanted to own that game. I wanted to be the one that like, oh, Bob has that game. I enjoy having that, you mm-hmm. know, be, but some people don't, you know, that's not a thing for necessarily everybody. Yeah, that was a game that I'm really interested in. And I did actually ask the group, hey, is anybody buying Revive? Because if you weren't, I would pick it up because I don't want to like feel like I'm mooching off you guys either. Like but I'm you happy. Yep. To, I'm happy to you know, bring my fair share of game, buy my fair share of games to add to the group's enjoyment. Like I, I want to participate in that, but I don't want to buy duplicate copies because that bothers me like in a way that I don't expect it to bother other people. It's just my own thing, you know? So once you said you were buying it, I was like, okay, I'm good. But earth is coming out. And even if other people buy earth, I'm still going to buy it because I feel like I could, I'll play it with my family. I'll play play it with Max. See, so that's the type of game that, based on looking at it, I almost backed it on Kickstarter, and it's one of those things that's on the edge teetering, so I'm going to wait for you to buy it, and then I'm going to play it. Perfect. So to, to like bring this kind of all back to the original question Nina had proposed is, you know, which, which, how do you collect games? Do you do you know, games for casual people, or do you do you games that are for that are some of your favorites? For me? I don't necessarily purchase games with the idea of this game is specifically for me to play with casual people. If I, my general instinct for purchasing games is it's for me or it's for me and like me and my family or whatever. So when I make a game purchase, I don't necessarily think about casual gamers coming over and playing that game. Mm -hmm. I think about, is this a game I'm going to like? And if that game is a game I'm going to like and it's going to be one of my favorite games, it's going to I'm going to I'm going to keep it and keep it in the collection. And by doing that, I eventually I do have games that will fit the bill of the casual people. But considering most of my plays, like if you take a look at my game stats, me and my wife play so much more games than I do with other people. So that's that's my number one priority is finding games that her and I will both enjoy. Yeah. Where it sounds like you're slightly on the opposite, where your thought process is more, I'm my collection is to be played. I buy games that I think people will play with me. I, I mean, I buy games that I enjoy, obviously. Like, I wouldn't buy one that I wouldn't enjoy playing. But there are, you know, I'm, but there's also games that I'm trying to get, you know, like, I want to play games with my son. So I want to find games that I like to play with him. And part of that is easy games to get out, teach, and put away. Yeah, the, the criteria what? is 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 different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the same for my friends that will play. I have a lot of friends that are casual gamers and will play a lot of uh, games with me. But 
but they don't want to sit down and learn something complicated. And I don't want to teach something complicated either. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, uh, that is how we go about picking our games. Yeah. Great question, Nina. Thanks for sending it in. Yeah, definitely. All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to finish this discussion and talk about how we get rid of games. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions and let us know what you think at uh, boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.